The text chosen for our meditation is from Luke instead of Matthew, and I'd like to read that portion for you now, Luke chapter 4, 1 to 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned to the Jordan, or from the Jordan, and was led by the Spirit to the desert, where 40 days he was tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. And the, and the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. And the, de- and the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, I will give you all authority and splendor if it, as, for it has given to me. And I will give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will be all yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the, of the temple. If you are the son of God, he says, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. And they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said, do not put the Lord to the test. And when the devil had finished all these temptations, he left him until a more opportune time. So far the text. In the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, fellow redeemed, this morning is the first Sunday in the Lenten season. Lenten, is a, Lenten season is a time for reflection as well as repentance. Reflection upon the many shortcomings that we have, have done and ha- have committed. It's a reflection also upon God's great love in sending Jesus to our time and to our space to save us from our sins. Repentance in that we reflect upon our misdeeds and we are truly sorry what we have done. In our gospel lesson for this morning, it reflects on the active, and this is something that we learn in the catechism, the active obedience of Jesus. Amid the temptations that Jesus endured for us, he never yielded once to the temptation, but he obeyed his heavenly Father in every aspect. And so he, throughout his ministry of three years, kept that law for us in our place. And this morning we have our emphasis on the temptations of Satan. Our text here indicates that there were three temptations. The first temptation that Luke records is that uh, he wanted the devil to doubt, the, uh, he wanted God to doubt the goodness of his heavenly father. You see, immediately after his baptism, that high point as he begins his ministry, he was put into, or he went to the, by the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness. And there he kind of had a retreat. He contemplated what was going to happen during these three years of ministry on this plan that God the Father had sent him on. And so during that time, he fasted. Can you imagine fasting for 40 days? You can well imagine how you would feel with not having that, have food for that length of time. I live with three teenage boys, 
and they couldn't go 40 seconds, I think, without complaining what's in the refrigerator or there's nothing in the refrigerator. And I think you and I have that same problem too. You know, we have a tendency to eat too much. Well, you can well imagine how Jesus felt now after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting. And so, you know, the devil in his cleverness, he plays upon the weakness, he thinks, of an individual. And so he thought he was going to catch Jesus at a weak moment. And so, too, he has a way of tempting us with the very ordinary. He's not that sophisticated. And so he uses food to get Jesus to fall. And, you know, he started out much the same way as he started with Eve many years ago. You know, he said, uh, did God say... And he wanted her to doubt the goodness of God, that God was kind of holding out on her, holding out on Adam and Eve. And so here he says, too, if you are the son of God, make these stones here bread. You can do it. And so he wants Jesus to take this in his own hands instead of relying on his father in heaven. You know, temptations come to us in a period of time, testing, pain, family problems, bereavement. Perhaps during the midst of these problems that you and I face, we probably wonder, where's God? Why isn't he here doing what he's supposed to do, namely, help me? Sometimes we might even come to the conclusion that God is off someplace or doing something else. Or perhaps we say, well, I guess I'm not as important to God, and certainly he doesn't know what our problems is. Or if he does, he, he doesn't care. He doesn't love us enough to answer it now. If you look in the Old Testament, we see Abraham and Sarah was given a, a promise that they would have their inheritance, children, many children. The only problem is that Sarah was barren. And one night, we find that uh, God takes Abraham out and says, look at the stars. That's how your descendants are going to be. And I'm surprised, and I suppose then Abraham would say, well, Lord, that's a lot. How about just giving us one? And you know, they waited, but yet they then they took it in their own hands, and Sarah says, here, have my concubine, and now we'll help God out. And we know what happened. When Ishmael came along, there was family problems between Hagar and Sarah. And that's how we are sometimes. We are going to help God along. We don't trust him. And the next temptation which Satan brought along was the wealth and the glitter of the world. He said, look at all of this. He says, all of this I'm going to give you if you just fall down and worship me. But there was a price tag that the devil set. If only you would fall down and worship me, all this is going to be yours. You see, the temptation that the devil laid before Jesus is all too real for us. We have a privilege to living in the most richest country in all the world. And you know, Satan knows that. 
In fact, as you take a look at what you and I have and what all's in the world or in the United States, we are not worshiping at this altar, or many aren't, but the altar of materialism. Many have set their priorities achieving the things that the world is going to buy. You know, it was an American dream of owning a home. You know, there's some people that have seven homes or, or a number of fantastic homes that I just can't believe the worth of them. Or if you happen to watch the HGTV channel, you can see the homes that are there and you wonder what priorities some people have. Or, you know, when most of us have been married a long time and when our children grow up into adulthood, they look at all what we have and they said, I want that, but I want that now. And they forget that how long it took us to build up to that. And so well, they want that now syndrome and they get out the good old credit card and they're in debt to their eyeballs. And our, and our advertising on TV, Unless you buy this product, you're not going to be happy. Many go with the world and all that is offered at the sacrifice of their spiritual life to get it. A growing number of people are not putting the proper perspective on their spiritual lives while busy finding security in the things that moth and rust corrupts. Yes, they have gone into that ultimate goal of fortune and fame and popularity and power, selling their soul in the process. And finally, that third temptation, when the devil comes, it's, it's a presumption of tempting God. He takes him up to the pinnacle of the temple, and he asks, or he tells Jesus, jump down and see what happens. He says, there's no danger after all, he was going to give you his angels charge over you, and they will lift them up in your hands lest you dash your foot against a stone. He says, there's no danger for us. Join that party. You've earned it. Go out and have some fun. You don't need to come to worship every Sunday. They'll never miss you. After all, you've been confirmed, and you know everything. We find ourselves putting God to the test. How many times have we put God to the test by un taking unnecessary chances? When I was a teenager in the Middle West, in the Midwest, I wanted to go with my friends out, and my parents said to me, do you know it's icy out? Yeah, I know, I know. And he said, well, something might happen to you. Well, I said, if God wants me to live, he'll protect me. How foolish. Life is so cheap nowadays. We think nothing to do that excites us, not thinking of the consequences of our actions. And so the devil lives up to his reputation as the father of lies. He acts as though he has the power to give. When he offered Jesus the whole world, if he fell down and worshiped him, the whole world was God's already because he is the one who created it. And the devil wanted Jesus not to focus on the attention of the cross. 
That's why he asked that question. And the devil lies today. He lies at the gravity of sin. Before it's really, before the sin that he's tempting, it's really nothing. Just go ahead and do it. It's not going to hurt you. How often haven't we heard that before? There's a lot of the things that the devil tries to get up. Everybody's doing it. You don't want to think that uh, you aren't with it. You know, just go ahead and try it. It's not going to hurt. He's done it with sex, drugs, alcohol, embezzlement, gossiping, homosexuality, gay marriage, and gambling, etc. We could go on and on with those things. And then the devil also lies about the gravity of sin after. And when you're falling into that trap and you found out how bad it really is, and when we experience the consequences of our actions like a guilty conscience or the loss of respect, then the devil tries to get that you've done the unforgivable. Jesus might have died on the cross for the sins of the world, but your sins are too big for God to forgive. He did it with Judas when Judas was tempted to, to betray our Lord with 30 pieces of silver, and he found out what is 30 silver pieces of silver can buy. And he got it. And then when he did that, he found out it was blood money. And then he came to his senses, and he goes back to his so-called friends and says, here, I want to give you this back. And their friends were no friends anymore. So he threw it into the temple Yes, he was sorry. He was sorry that he betrayed his Lord. But he did not believe that God would forgive him for the sin that he had done. The devil had done his work, and so he went out in despair and hung himself. We also see that from our text, too, how, how the devil is very good at quoting Scripture, how he twists Psalm 91 to fit his purpose, and he carefully, very carefully, leaves out a very portion, a good portion of that, of that psalm, that verse, in all your ways. You see, God doesn't want to tempt us by going out and having us tempt him or to test him. And the devil also makes people think that there's no hell. Go ahead and do whatever you want. And people believe that. How can there be hell? God is a God of love. He doesn't want an individual to go to hell. People think that hell's here on earth after all the trouble that they have. Many people trust that words of Satan and have found in that it was too late that the devil has lied to him. Let's note this morning of these temptations. Every one of these temptations that the devil threw at him failed. And you and I can take comfort in that. We have often lost that battle with Satan, and we have succumbed to his lies. But when we go past, we can see how many times that we have failed. But Jesus has overcome Satan for us. And our epistle lesson for today, a beautiful words of St. Paul. Then as one man trespass was led into the condemnation for all, so one man's act of righteousness leads to an acquittal and life for all men. 
For as one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. And it's through Jesus' obedience that he overcame Satan for us. He defeated Satan on the cross and made us free from sin. We can learn a, a mighty big lesson in this event. Jesus used the word of God to overcome Satan. Each one, he says, it is written. You see, the devil cannot defeat Jesus, and he cannot defeat us when we use the word of God as a weapon. And also we can use, how do we do that? We, could, we should be grounded in that word. As Christians and as fellow believers, we should be in that word. Many opportunities, whether it be on Sunday morning in Bible class, whether it be on, on, uh, during the week reading personally the scripture and devotions, we can grow in our faith doing what you're doing right here, listening to God, or going to the altar of God, receiving the forgiveness of sins and the strengthening of your faith through his body and blood. So as we begin this Lenten season, we find the comfort and the power and the account of our Lord's temptation. May we realize that in his obedience, the obedience to his heavenly Father, and through his suffering and death and resurrection, we are indeed his holy people, his holy nation, because our sins are wiped away through the shedding of blood on the cross.